0: very cool third show this week we have rob jennings on today rob how you, today? how you doing today
1: awesome man how are you i'm really well
0: where are you where are you uh, calling in from today no uh, i'm at work clyde high school okay awesome clyde high school i know that place really well um and that's i mean that that plays a big part in your wrestling story too right oh
1: clyde? absolutely yes
0: yeah yes okay. absolutely so uh Let's let's start there. Where does your wrestling story start? How old were you? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, actually I do. I can remember the first time I went to a biddy practice. I was five years old and in kindergarten, uh, Clyde did not have a biddy program at that time. We were talking like 1985, 1986 in there. And so we went to the Fremont YMCA and that was one of the first places around that even had it. Uh, so I went with a couple of buddies and went over and got my butt whipped quite a bit and wasn't quite sure, you know, wrestled in one tournament that year, got a Got didn't get any wins, you know, but got second place trophy by to the finals, which was fun. So um, and then Clyde started their biddy program the following year. So uh, very fortunate to be one of the youngest guys that started in that program. And then, you know, coming through and having the success looking back, it was it was such a special time in in the school's history.
0: Yeah. Hey, do you remember what tournament that was?
1: It was West Jefferson tournament. Yeah,
0: really? You traveled yeah, down to Washington.
1: Wow. yeah we did um for anybody watching this in the central district you may remember the the name Branham and uh Andy Mike Branham Roger Branham Casey Branham uh Roger's my uncle uh he married my Aunt Judy so uh growing up with those guys so actually Mike Branham who was a state champ for West Jeff ref the match that I got beat by Doug Hess who was also then eventually a state champ from uh I got tech followed by Doug Hess in the finals of the West Jeff tournament
0: yeah West Jeff uh they're they're D3 now I think uh, in wrestling. Yeah. yeah. They're tough, tough program down there. Absolutely. Um, yes. Sometimes. So Clyde, so like 86, I think then that would make it when Clyde started their B D club. Yeah.
1: 86, 87, a guy by the name of Doug Fields was here and, uh, he wanted, he was football coach, but he wanted the wrestling program to be good too. And, uh, he had a lot of, <laughs> lot of influence in it. And then, you know, you had the whole mod squad that I know you're real familiar with from back in the day. Uh, that ran the biddy program and you know we were able to have all the success that we we're able to have it was pretty cool that he had a lot
0: of foresight there about getting you know he's you said he's a football coach and then getting the uh getting the wrestling program that really panned out well in the long run <laughs> you know uh,
1: yes and it didn't take long either it's crazy how fast those results started coming
0: yeah so then the club starts i mean it does it just take is it does it seem like from the outside because I know where this story is going. Like, you guys right. were kicking butt. Um, so just tell me about those so, early so we years. Saw the, so we
1: saw the PAW guys, right? <laughs> and then it was a battle.
0: Nah, I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> it's pretty cool when you talk about this, uh, the start of your story. Because I know I'm going to skip over someone. But probably, like, East Toledo was probably the next closest baby club to you from yeah. the West. And right. then in Sandusky, I think PAW club started in 85, I want to i want to say but
1: around that same time yeah we were right on the heels yeah because we were i mean every, Paul club and cliber just beating each other up all the time so correct
0: who are who who were some of your training partners in the in the early years
1: oh man uh good golly i know uh your cousin jared and i have had some awesome conversations about yeah. this actually <laughs> that's what i want to hear it. years <laughs> yeah throwing out names of guys that then didn't even finish wrestling throughout high school you know uh Lance Knox was a big one. Um, I still got a picture of who's now my brother-in-law, Corey Coe, who was a very, very good Corey wrestler. Corey Coe, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's standing on the third place line and Rob Smith's on the second place line. A couple of names for people who are familiar with the area and they're both looking up at me and I got first and both those guys ended up being way better than me. So uh, <laughs> I like to pull that picture out every once in a while when when Corey and his family are home.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I have the same, I have a, a bitty picture. And I think I'm in second place, and my cousin Drew's in third place. And I like to show okay. him that one, just because I'm like, I, at one Dude, point yeah. I beat someone who beat you, but like at one point, I don't know. <laughs> Correct. Uh, awesome. That's all I got to hang on to. Um, very, yeah. very little.
1: I'm the same way.
0: <laughs> well, you're on. you're uh, you're way too modest. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- let's talk about that that squad that you guys had coming into junior high and then high school and just the terror you guys unleashed on the SBC.
1: Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, looking back on it and I can see it happening, you see it happen now in the different phases with kids, like the, what Edison's got going on over there right now. And when you have that group of parents who's dedicated and just packs kids in vans and drives them all over the country, basically. Um, I mean, we had guys from, we had a lot of Bellevue guys, even that traveled with us. I know the Matt, Matt Coleman's or excuse me, uh, Anthony Coleman's and Matt DiPolo and, you know, Anthony, uh, yeah like all those guys um oh shoot Courtney DeLuca you know throwing some names out there that you know all those guys we whoever wanted to go we packed them in and we took them and you know, we had a very group of dedicated parents we stayed the night everybody trusted you know parents to take kids everywhere and but then I mean you look around and you see that still happening today and that's where all that success I think was was definitely fed from Uh, but yeah, going into junior high, my dad always helped at the junior high level. So I was like one of the managers. And so I got to hang out with all the older guys and, and see their success and look up to them, you know, and want to be those guys. And, uh, just as you said, you know, going into the SBC, uh, I'll never forget the shirts your dad had made up. I think it was his last year, uh, St. Mary's and it on the back. It had all the accomplishments that they had had throughout his 20 some years as coach. And it struck me because they had more state championships than they had SBC championships and it really made me realize what we got to grow up with and how cool our area was and, and stuff like that so uh, i know i don't know if i answered your whole question there but just to touch no, on that a little
0: bit no but i i hadn't even thought about yeah the, the spc was a meat grinder man i mean it is brutal and then even no matter what division you were in and you're i mean you're in the spc then your section it wasn't yeah i mean your district no. was a you know what i
1: mean absolutely if, yeah. And if
0: we and if any of the, our schools were maybe like 15 miles more east, it would be even worse. <laughs> Cause then you would yeah. you know. Yeah.
1: So well then we always combined with the central district. So we had to wrestle the Columbus guys and you know the Marion Franklins and those guys. And now we have more of the now we go more east, I think. It, 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 we a little bit more to that.
0: All right. Well, cool. So so tell me about some of your accomplishments then at Clyde and 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 everything before we get into what you're doing now.
1: Uh, well, again, you know, I, my freshman year in high school, I was, well, I had some battles in junior high with, uh, with some guys too. I got to go back and forth with Kevin Fabian a little bit, you know, just oh, some more names out there. He was uh, a monster,
0: yeah, Carver, I got, right?
1: I got Kevin. Yeah. I got, I got lucky and beat Kevin my seventh grade year when he was in eighth grade in junior high SBC finals in a barn burner of a match seven to six places going nuts. It, it, it was, it, that's a, that's one of my all-time favorite memories just, really? and then you take that and you build on it and uh my freshman year in high school uh we were state that was the year the Clyde State champs and my season had a very bitter ending um with with how districts finished out and I didn't accomplish my goals but uh and then learned that I needed to put a little more work in after my sophomore year too so and going into my junior and senior year you know we had a chance to to come back again and, and have all that success and I got to be one of the leaders having seen those guys when I was a freshman you know go out and do what they did so to take what I learned and then apply it. Uh, I think then helped me along after high school too, then just with everything that that I needed to do. And uh, then co- all the years that I coached as well.
0: Yeah, you said something really cool there that, that sparked a memory for me is St. Mary's, we used to have a lot of people come. And because we had a lot of people, we we're always up in nosebleed section. You know, you some of us figured out the system and could sneak right. down and get into single seats, but sure. um, in the finals, you're, you're in your seats, you know? And I I, I know I it was the weirdest thing for me to see St. Mary's cheer for Clyde at the state tournament because yeah. we were always so bit like I mean it was the crowds it was it was intense but it was then I learned when you get down to the state tournament it's all just SPC pride and you cheer on everyone and you go nuts yeah. and when you got scary. Like, Even
1: just northwest Ohio man That's yeah awesome
0: but I mean especially for the conference it's like these are the guys that you know I've been watching people wrestle against all year and it's been like oh, there are arrivals. And now it's like, cool. Like let's go nuts for Clyde. I mean, I remember that. It was awesome.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. And just the huge cheering sections up in the stands. And I mean, even like the Dayton news people coming down and talking to all the, all the people from Podunk middle of nowhere, you know what I mean? Like trying to find out uh, how'd all these people for where's Clyde, Ohio, stuff like that. So.
0: That's awesome. So, uh, after, after high
1: school, uh,
0: What'd you go on to do? What, and I what went do you to Bowling
1: Green. Yeah, I went to right. Bowling Green and uh, major in education. That's what I'm here doing now. Uh, and I coached a little bit at Atsegal High School with, with a guy named Scott Bylow, who actually just retired from coaching, uh, wrestling anyways. He's still the offensive coordinator for the football team over there. But he was my college roommate. I just met him. My uncle taught at Seago. And so, you know, being young, still wanting to be involved, I said, hey, you know, can you talk to the coach, see if I can just come up and roll around with the guys a little bit. And, uh, you know, I met some of the other guys and some of the coaches and they wanted me to come up and help a little bit. So I volunteered up there for a couple of years. And then uh, Coach Carroll offered me a job at, as an assistant coach at Clyde, which was huge, man. Like uh, they were still rolling. And so to come back and it's always good to be home. Uh, so I was a college guy at BG, but I was able to come back a couple of days a week and, and roll around with the guys and really build those rapports with with some of the better guys we've had come through. The, you know, the T.C. Huffman's, the J.R. Garys uh, you know, um, Jonathan Taylor's, you know, that it was, it was a really cool time. Bobby Blackburn, you know, those guys were fun to, fun to be around as, as being just a little bit older than them. And they they listened. That was awesome. They were coachable. And, um, you know, so I was able to do that for a couple of years. And then as I went through college, uh, and then the following year after coaching at Clyde, actually, I got the opportunity to be, uh, Chad Long's assistant at Lakota, uh, for one season. And I got to, after working with Dale, uh, Carol, who was a a great mentor for me, not just as a coach, but then, um, you know, how, how, what to do and what not to do with the rules. Uh, he taught me a lot about wrestling and and how to run a program. And so I went with Chad then over to Lakota for a year and we had a lot of success. It was fun year. Um, but, and then after graduation got head wrestling job at Western Reserve high school, again, been very fortunate to coach some awesome, very talented dudes over the course of, the course of my coaching career and then got the Clyde job so which again then we we were able to have a lot of success man it was a lot of fun
0: yeah that's awesome man uh Chad's at Fremont Ross now isn't he head football coach there uh, Chad Long
1: head football coach at Fremont Ross yeah he actually still helps out a little bit wrestling over at Tiff in the last couple of years I think he has been okay. Tiffin, and Clement. they got a real good program right now
0: yeah you know that uh, what you said about Dale like bringing you on that says a lot about you as a young adult, when you're a wrestler, to like you know you don't just you don't just ask any person that wrestled for you before to hey you want to coach the next generation of the program I've been over for two more than two decades right so like right. that says a lot about you and and what he saw on you right I mean you have to agree I Take- <laughs>
1: yeah no it was it was an awesome compliment uh, I know that he he had always he had always told me that I was one of the few people that he would like to see run the program someday and. I, I did. I, I took that. I took that as an awesome compliment because, I mean, he could have. He could have told. He could have just said that to anybody, but I felt like it was sincere when he yeah. said it to me. I mean, he could have. And said I know it. he vouched for me when I did not get the job too, so that helped a lot too. Awesome.
0: So, how would you start officiating, and when did that start?
1: Uh, well, I um, after getting the job at Clyde, my wife and I had just gotten married. Uh, she got a job at the Bellevue Hospital, and I got the job at Clyde, so it actually worked out perfect. Uh, and then, of course, children came along. And those children were females, not males. And so that made it a little bit more difficult for practice time and stuff like that. So I was gone at the tournaments all weekend. I mean, I wasn't going to cheat the kids that were on the team. My job was to coach them. And after a year or two, I felt like I was cheating the kids at home, which wasn't fair because that was my family. So uh, I made the decision to resign and uh, I I still wanted to be involved. I didn't know how. Uh, And officiating was always something that kind of picked my interest just because of the challenge of it. And so I thought, well, if I can set my own schedule and, you know, still be involved and help kids and help the sport, then I want to be part of it. Um, my other goal then, obviously, was to, to be as good as possible at it, but to see the state tournament from all aspects, like as a competitor, as a coach, and then also as an official, I think it, it would be a very cool experience. I'm sure there's probably a lot of dudes out there that have done it, but I just think for me, that was kind of, that was kind of one of the things that pushed me into it. Okay, Awesome. So what year was, do you remember what year that was? Uh, The last year I coached was 2014. So my first year officiating would have been 2015. Okay. So you're doing, this is your sixth season then. This would be year seven, I think. Seven,
0: seven. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So that's uh, what you said there is I'm hearing that theme and I'm hoping that people are noticing this pattern that your wrestling life doesn't have to end after competing or, or after coaching. Like officiating is a great way to be involved with the sport meet people and then for me to get to like hear people's stories that you know that i've known of and known for this you know for a long time this seems to be a a perfect solution for a lot of people um what would you say to someone that's like their careers oh let's say their wrestling career their competitive career is over so they could be leaving high school as a senior they could be wrapping up uh their college career it doesn't look like they're going to wrestle in college doesn't look like they're going to wrestle at the senior level or anything like that, what would your pitch be to them to consider becoming an official?
1: I be honest with you, man, it's, you can set your own schedule. If you don't, if you want to take a weekend off and go with the family or, you know, hang out with buddies, you can do that. Or even as a young college kid, I mean, for if you ref one tournament a weekend, which is a biddy tournament on Sunday for those have really shortened up. They're not like they used to be when we were kids where you're there until eight o'clock at night, man, you know, wrestling hopefully before midnight sometimes. Uh, and so those things go pretty quick, but I mean, that's 120 bucks cash in your pocket. A lot of those days, which is spending money for the week. So even if you just did that or did junior high tournaments and stuff like that um, plus they've been on the mat recently, they know the rules, they know the funk, they know the spaghetti scrambles and that other stuff that if you haven't followed it or you haven't wrestled recently, those are hard things to call. And yeah. and they can kind of anticipate a little bit better. So I feel like they have that familiarity with it, you know, a little bit more so than than some of the guys who have been have been on the mat for a very long time. Uh, and so I think that can be an advantage for them too. And just knowing knowing what, being able to anticipate a little bit more, maybe than some of uh, some of the guys who haven't been around as long. Awesome, cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and even to I mean, that's a good point because with video – video wrestling is tough to officiate. Because a, lo- a lot of the mechanics, at least from the limited I know, is you know, predicting where the, the wrestlers are going to go so you can be in the right position to make the calls and see the things that you need to see. There's no predicting anything in biddy wrestling. It's <laughs> you're swiping back points for one kid and then you're swiping back, you know. So yeah. it's a good place to cut your teeth.
1: <laughs> yes. And I, I think even uh sometimes in biddy, you know, you can get the mismatches a little bit more. And then in junior high, that's where that's where you really start to see some some. And you forget how flexible kids are. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I don't do any junior high tournaments anymore. I'm, I do mostly varsity stuff. So, uh, but, so then when I go down there, I'm calling potentially dangerous, and the kid's arm just flings right back to where it was before, or yeah. whatever. And I'm like, I guess he's in much danger. But, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, man, it looks like it might get ripped off.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and your and your job is to keep everyone safe there. So, correct. Uh, yeah, I I remember it officiating the SBC junior high tournament when I was in uh, college and, uh, is the finals. And, uh, I, I stopped, uh, I stopped a, a move. keeps kid was going into criteria, uh, but he, he scissored. He, he like scissored ahead head before going in. So I stopped it. He needed those back points to win the match, stopped it. St. Mary's. It was Rick Bellamy. Coach Bellamy, uh, calls me over to the table and this was going to win them the tournament. This, is, this was their last match that they won. This won them the tournament. And I'm like, it's an illegal move. I'm, so, I'm sorry. What do, you, what do you want me to do? And that, that was when I was like, man, this is harder than I, th- you know, than I thought. You know, there's a lot. Yeah. Of- so, and I
1: think, honestly, in, in what you're explaining there, too, you bring up a good point. And in my job, I deal with people every day, all day, you know? Uh, and you see, I think, a lot of the, a lot of the officials, I think, that people put up on a, on a little bit of a higher level and think are a little bit better. A lot of those guys deal with people every day. They're, they're police officers, they're state troopers. Uh, they work in banks, you know what I mean? They do things where they have that experience. And I think that that can, that can benefit you a lot, especially when you're at the table talking to coaches.
0: That's, actually, that's, no one's ever brought that up. That's a really good point. I've uh, always talked about how being a coach or being an official can help you be a coach or being a former coach or wrestler can help you be an official, but dealing with people is a big part of it. Yes. Yes. Now I'm going to think about that.
1: (laughs) And I I teach psychology too. So, uh, that's a, I, I find this stuff fascinating. I really do just how sometimes people remember the fans are going to remember your call last week, right. Or the coaches or the wrestler, or whoever. And I'll be honest, you make so many calls throughout the course of a weekend, every week, when I walk into a tournament and I kind of get, you know, somebody doesn't say hello, or, you know, (laughs) like you can, you know, they, they got, they got to give you that look a little bit and you have to think to yourself, what did I do? Like, you know, <laughs> to run that, Oh man, that, that stalling call or whatever it was like, I got you. So now you can start that conversation even as the official and say, Hey, that stalling call last week, man. What, what did you think about that? You know what I mean? And Kind of just get yeah. that little bit of feedback even. Yeah. So it is kind of funny though.
0: You like to dive into that stuff in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> see, yeah. see where it goes.
1: Just, I mean, when you, yeah, absolutely. Because when you're coaching, I feel like you're color, you're, you're colorblind you see everything through your team's colors and your bias. So I can only have the perception in my mind of what I see. Well, my perception of that call is terrible because my guy didn't do that when the other side, it's like a flag get thrown in a football game, man. One side's cheering, the other side's booing it. And so to take that step back as the official and be actually be colorblind and try to watch both guys is very difficult Uh, because as the I watch my guy wrestle 50 times a year. I know what he's going to do. I see him every day in practice. I watch him on the mat. So I'm watching the official and I'm watching the opponent because I'm trying to see if the official messed up so I can tell him. Or I'm watching the opponent so I can give my guy an advantage and tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm never really watching my guy. And as the official, you have to take that step back and try to not miss anything. And so yeah. uh, the challenge of it, I really enjoy the challenge of it.
0: That's funny that you say that, the part about you can go and start the conversation and, and stuff, because not exactly what you described, but I had that experience with you actually at a, the Lakota Junior Eye Tournament this last year. Right. Um, I wasn't, I was upset about a call. I, I think I was being okay. I mean, I only have three kids on my team, so it wasn't like we we're going to win the tournament. But, And I went up to you and I was like, hey, this is the situation. What do you think? And what I thought was really cool how you answered it, you're like, well, I didn't see it. Um, you know and you're like but you know what you're describing but you know you you played it cool but
1: yeah yeah you just like, question about something else that had happened
0: yeah throughout the day yeah okay. yeah and, and yeah. then you you sat there and you, we talked through it and then right. i was like i appreciate that and actually you calmed me down a right. little bit and i was able to <laughs> pull it together awesome. yeah <laughs> But you're right about see, being colorblind, only seeing your team. Um, a lot of it's with the emotion, right? Like you're yeah. just emotionally invested in those kids. And as an official, you can't be. I mean, why would you be, it's right?
1: official, you can't take it personal because that kid, that guy's fighting for his kid, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, they're doing their best. They're doing their job. I'm doing my job. We're all doing our best job. Sometimes we're not going to do our job real well. Sometimes <laughs> you're going to be treated at it and the other side still going to think you didn't do it real well. So part of the yeah. job though.
0: Awesome. What are some of your... Uh, so far in the seven seasons, seven years you've been doing it, what are some of your, like the moments that stand out or memories or things that you think were really cool? You're like, Oh man, I'm glad I got to be at that tournament or officiate. Yeah. That. There's
1: actually been quite a few, man. Uh, uh, I've had some awesome officials take me under their wing a little bit with Morgan Stanley and Laren Weichel and Matt Majoy and, and Mike Majoy and those guys. That That's mean, a great group of dudes right there. Great group of dudes, man. And they've right. gotten me into some big tournaments. Uh, and you know Mr. Freeland and Mr. Crosby those guys have been excellent in just in directing you and, and giving constructive criticism uh, and, and I've appreciated that so I guess the highlight I got to do the state duels my fifth year of officiating man the down in Columbus at the shot and I had the first round match between St. Paris Graham and London and after the match I felt like I nailed it you know what I mean like I'm sure I messed some stuff up. I'm sure there were things, but, like, dude, like, I got to be on the stage kind of and, and ex- get that experience, and I, I really felt like I did well. And then my evaluations came back, and they kind of said the same thing. So that's definitely been the highlight so far, uh, just getting down there and, and getting that experience, getting out there in front of those bigger names. And, you I know, mean, we get nervous just like the kids do. You know uh, I mean? I'm, and sure. I'm out there, and the last thing I want anybody to do is remember me. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, the last yeah. thing I want
0: yeah, exactly. You don't want to insert yourself into the match. You're just there to make sure that everything goes right. correctly, right? That's awesome. That's a big step towards your ultimate goal, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. Now the individual tournament, hopefully soon. And uh, but a couple of matches, I guess, that stick out would be uh, I was fortunate enough to have the Hernandez and um, uh, shoot Bellevue guy. I just went to Cornell. In the oh
0: gosh, he's a monster too. I should know his name.
1: Yeah. Ended up wrestling the Miller kid in SBC finals. Then either way, I had that finals match a couple of years ago, and that ended up six-five back and forth. It was a barn burner. We had there was a really close call in there, and I was waiting for the coach to go to the table, and it didn't happen. And so uh, I almost wanted him to, so I could talk to my assistant to see if he had what I had, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but once everything kept going, it wasn't a big deal. But those are things, even as you're in the middle of officiating a match, that, that do sometimes happen. I mean, you're like, oh man, I'd love to ask somebody if they think I'm right, you know? Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, so but a couple matches like that, I guess. But just some some of the bigger stuff, you know, getting getting to see some of the some of the teams and and programs that you know that uh, that go out and and win. And it's fun to get in front of those guys and to listen to what I mean. Hey, tell me. I I I'm more than happy for somebody to tell me how I can improve because uh, you know you always want to get better.
0: Yeah, if feedback done right is welcome, right? <laughs> but not don't scream at me in the center of the mat.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Cool. Um. So, one of the common themes uh, in these in the talks I'm getting to have uh, with officials is of how important, like the the pre-match uh, meeting is with the teams mm-hmm. and, and coaches and stuff. Uh, can you kind of talk us through kind of what you what your goal is when you go into that pre-match meeting and and you know kind of what you say and and why maybe?
1: Sure, absolutely. And I mean, I'm just gonna st- I'm gonna harp on the things that I'm gonna stress, which action, stay in the middle. I mean, the same things that everybody else does. Uh, But the biggest thing I think is, you know, you've got this, again, going back to the psychology thing a little bit, you've got this gap between perception and reality. So when I show up with the stripes on, I'm automatically enemy for a lot of the people that walk in that gym, whether it's the wrestler or anybody else, right? And so you have to be able to make it come up. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I'm here to facilitate. I'm here to blow the whistle. I'm going to call the rules as I see it might not be exactly how you see it, but if you go back to the center and you keep getting set, you keep wrestling hard, we're all human beings. We're all going to like that. You know what I mean? Like It's not going to change any calls, but hey, you're the aggressor. So on that 50-50 call, can that help you get the takedown on the edge if you've been the aggressor? Those things come into play. There's a lot of that that, that really do come into play. Um, not that you still don't have to have your toes in or something yeah, like that. yeah, but yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you try to get that message across that I'm here to help. I'm not here to, I'm not here for anybody to dislike like somebody's going to, but that wasn't my point of coming here. And so just, I think that message trying to make yourself a person rather than a guy wearing stripes is, uh, is hard because you have such a short period of time to do it, but you have yeah. to kind of close that gap a little bit between that perception and reality.
0: That's, that's brilliant, man. Cause that's what we're trying to do with this show uh, is try to show the human side of officials. Um, because it's yes. a tough job, not only, everything that you, not, not only everything that you have to know, because I would venture to guess that the majority of and coaches probably don't know the rule book as well as they think they do. And you have, that's your shield, right? You have to know that or your armor, then you have to know mechanics right. and then you have to have thick skin and <laughs> put up with other right. people questioning your calls and they probably don't know the rules as well as you. Um, but that goes back to adversarial role you said the most of the time when wrestlers come into contact with an official, it's, well, they're officiating my match and in their head, perception versus reality, right? This could be their perception. Yep. This is the guy that could cost me the match. And yep. again, I've said that now three times and I need to stop saying it, but that's not true because if you just keep scoring points, there's an, you know, and don't break any rules, you're going to win. There's Absolutely. Certain, um, but so I guess my question is other than trying to, tell the stories of officials and things like that do you have any ideas or any things that you do to try to like you know have athletes and coaches see you outside of the competitive arena
1: yeah absolutely um i think i really like the end of the year where you have more refs like in districts and stuff like that where i get to hand out the anklets behind the table okay you can you can goof around at the kids a little bit i mean you can crack a joke some of them don't want to so you stay away from those guys you figure that out pretty yeah. fast like i'm not I'm here to wrestle and get away yeah. from me. Uh, but, you know, you can, you can you're can. you a human being, you know, you can joke around a little bit. Again, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that for a living with high school kids. And uh, I try to not forget what it's like to be 16, 17, 18 years old. I mean, I only have my idea of what it was like to be that, but all the stresses and everything else and just the awkward stage and everything like that that you're going through, it's, it's a tough age. And so anytime that, you know, you can just add a little bit of, you know, personable action to it. Uh, or in between rounds and stuff like that. You know what I mean? If yeah. you in, try to keep your antenna down and your, your rabbit ears down and stuff like that and not hear those things, but if you did hear something, like I said, I'll go up to the coach and say, hey, I heard you yelling from the side over there. Uh, I just wondered what you, what you thought you saw because I'd like to explain to you what I called. And so I'm, most of the time they're willing to listen. You have a great conversation. Other times they don't want to, and that's fine. You just leave it be. But I think being more proactive in having those conversations. But again, a lot of that goes down goes, comes back to being comfortable talking to people too.
0: Cool. Do you get a lot of uh, coaches that invite you in, like to their room at the beginning of the year to go over points of emphasis or anything like that? Is that something that you do, not, do? No. no?
1: Uh-uh. Um I'll be honest with you. I I don't get invited to. I I do, do do very many duels or tries or anything like that. Like, I think a lot of I think a lot of times they've been hiring the same people every year for a long time because you see so fewer new officials, and so those are who the contracts go out to every year. Uh, so no, actually, um, that isn't something that. That I've been asked to do. Okay,
0: but if you were asked, you would do it. If it was, oh, like I would a- love to. I mean, okay, it,
1: it makes you more of a person. Like I have gone on, like I've gone to even the Bellevue and ref their wrestle offs. If they, I think, not last year, year before, they had two guys that were neck and neck for sectionals. You know what I mean? And it went best of three, and it came down to the ultimate overtime, and a kid fig- uh, figure four at the body, and I had to, uh, I ended the match. Yeah. And then the winner of that wrestle off ended up in the go to state match two weeks later at districts. Wow,
0: and that is that coach is genius for bringing an official in when you have that tight of a wrestle off. I, I, you know, yeah, what I mean, take it, amazing. take it off yeah. of me. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> like, um, and I, I would, I would love to see, as a coach. Um, I was again fortunate enough as a wrestler and a and an assistant coach for Coach Carroll to teach us. Coach Carroll knew the rule book inside and out, as your dad did, and. That was what made that rivalry. That was one of the many things that made that rivalry so awesome, dude. And and in that they taught their wrestlers the rules. And I think so many times the kids aren't aware of what's being called. And the coach then if the coach gets upset, the kids and the fans are automatically upset because the coach knows in their mind. That's that's the perception of the of the wrestler and the yeah. fan. Yep. And so I would love to see more coaches get their officiating license. They don't have to use it or at least just go to the meetings. I mean, if you've got questions, go to the meetings and and have those discussions. Uh, I know Coach Carroll and your dad went to just about every officiating meeting and and they had questions and they wanted answers and they wanted to know what the rule changes were. And when you can get that explanation from them, it can clear it up a lot more and we could all be on the same level, same page, I think more than we are today.
0: Yeah, I think they had different motivations though. Dale probably genuinely (laughs) wanted to know the rules and uh, Jude, my dad, probably wanted to learn it, it, how he could bend them, you know, just that, that guy. I think,
1: I think that was six and one, half dozen of another for both of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I wasn't going to say that I, about Dale, but I think I, they
1: were playing the same game. So yeah. it, it, it was. again, that's what made the rivalry so awesome.
0: Yeah. They were playing chess and that they were playing chess with uh, coach Bergman and everyone else was playing the checkers at the time. Uh, so you, you said that, uh, it could help, uh, coach, uh, know, you know, knowing the rules could help a coach, duh, obvious, um, by being, uh, having a license. How, what do you think are some things that we could do to get more coaches um, to consider doing that? Now, that won't obviously help us with the official shortage of the officials we need to officiate matches, but getting more people saying, hey, I have my license can't hurt, right? So what yeah. do you, I mean, think about back over seven years ago when you were getting uh, your license, the process is, uh, I think it's a little antiquated right nowadays, because um, I think you could do a lot of that online. You obviously mm-hmm. would have to do your mechanics and, and you know, do your, your tournament w- with your mentor or whatever to uh, get your license. But it just seems like going somewhere for eight weeks for two hours. You know what I mean? And maybe yeah, that's absolutely.
1: Well, it's coming from somebody like you, who's been around and knew the rules and stuff like that. So there are some other options out there. I went, I actually went down and took, uh, Fred Feeney's class, the one weekend deal down in Columbus. Yep. And that's how I got my license. So I think for me, that was extremely beneficial because I needed a crash course. Um, I think some people need the eight weeks. I I think even some of the people that were in that class could have used a lot more than that one weekend, but their, their, their ceiling might not, you know what I mean? It's going to take a little bit longer to reach their potential probably Mm -hmm. uh so there are some options out there but yeah like you're saying i I think that a lot of this is stuff that uh that there could be other ways to work around it yeah um and again you know i'm hoping to someday have a great idea uh have been working on it for 41 years now so yeah well i uh, think we all have
0: (laughs) i think we all have great ideas we just don't have the 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 money to waste on these great ideas right
1: um access them
0: (laughs) yeah uh what are um, so here's the other thing I wanted to, to throw out at you again. So, this is an idea, and I think that um, this is something I'm just bouncing off officials. I bounced it off of uh, uh, Matt Swaroshinsky last night. Um, what about I think the one of the easier ways to get new officials would be having officials come in near the end of the year, maybe after sectionals or districts, and talk to the outgoing seniors about mm-hmm.
1: like, absolutely even or even at even at tournaments like if you have an official that's willing to just speak to the crowd real fast before the tournament start or something like that that would be awesome but i mean to find some ambassadors that are a people person are willing to talk uh to set up some sort of clinic you know what i mean some traveling clinic i mean they have all these wrestling clinics that travel around could you do some sort of camp officials camp even or something like that i mean yeah i would think that if we can put our heads together as a group i mean you know uh free enterprise is a great thing. So I think we might be able to come up with some some pretty good ideas. And I think what you guys are doing is awesome, dude. I, I really do, because I think that's the beginning of it. You're able, you by talking to us and talking to all those other guys who've had all these awesome experiences, you can get more ideas. And we've got more ideas on the table, because otherwise we're not communicating.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's a that's a major gap, because the only time the officials, well, for the majority, right? The only time the officials and the coaches get to talk is in competition season um yep so having even if it's one way communication and they can take in some information and now they'll be like oh that's rob he does this this and this he's not just here to make me lose at 125 or whatever the weight class is this year yeah. uh <laughs> so uh we've talked about memories we've talked about uh we've talked about clyde um we've talked a little bit about uh, officiating and stuff uh so how I want to talk about your psychology because you brought it up a couple of times. So does that play a major role in in your officiating? You think the sociology and psychology stuff, you find yourself thinking about how, what makes people tick and what makes them not tick?
1: No, man, seriously all the time. Uh, And I use examples of it in here too. Um, I mean, when, when you're going through the whole process of wrestling and all that stuff, you know, you think it's the end all be all and winning is everything. And now I use your cousin, Jared, as an example, he's got four, four, plaques hanging on the wall, you know what I mean? From those titles. But when you're done and you walk down the street next year, you're a dude, you're a dude walking (laughs) down the street. You know what I mean? Unless you're wearing those mountains around, which I hope nobody is. You're just a dude walking down the street. And so we're all in on that level playing field. So what are you going to do with it? You know what I mean? So I think so many people are afraid of that failure. So the psychology of it, how can we get young people to not be afraid to fail and give everything they've got? You can coach, you can teach forever, but how many kids are you going to get that have the heart and the talent put together? Right, yeah. I mean, you can do it forever and not get one. And some of us were fortunate enough to get a whole bunch of those guys. Uh, and some of them you like to be able to combine. You know what I mean? So um, I guess just seeing that stuff, and then I can bring it into class and, and build that rapport, even with my students. I think that's that's the best part of my job.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that that fear of failure, right? Like failures fear is a good thing it keeps us it's
1: kept us alive for millions of years right from an evolutionary
0: standpoint but it can be unhealthy as well
1: right when i was one of those kids that needed that i was one of those wrestlers that you know and, and that was one of the things i learned again from coach carol um you know some people respond to everybody responds to things a little bit different you can't treat every kid the exact same and so what pushes his buttons what pushes his buttons i find that stuff pretty fascinating awesome
0: uh with the upcoming season coming uh, you know, do you have any tournaments or things that you're looking forward to that you're excited about doing?
1: Yeah. Uh again, hopefully we can have a little bit more of a normal season this year. I know last year I was local quite a bit, you know, it was awesome because I didn't have to drive real far, but did a lot of stuff at Norwalk, did a lot of stuff at Clyde. Uh, um, you saw a lot of the same teams because people weren't traveling around and trying to stay in their in their areas. So um uh, hoping for some normalcy. Um I think that with them being able to do it last year, I'm hoping that that, that can kind of work itself out this year as well. Um, but yeah, i am be working with the OAC a little bit this year. Uh, I get to, I was asked to be one of their head officials at some of the events and, you know, get to organize and answer questions from parents and do just what we just talked about, you know, kind of work with people a little bit. So uh, that's, that's something new that I'm doing this year. I'm really looking forward to.
0: Oh, cool. Well, now I'm looking forward to it too, because I'll be at most of those events too. So we'll get to hang out too. Cool. And then I can guilt you into being on the show again. Uh, I'm I'm confident you give me a couple of weekends, I can wear you down. <laughs> um yeah, I, I think what you said is hopefully, you know, we, we have a little bit more normalcy and we get to have a season. Um there's a lot of talk going on right now. Last year, the big message I had for our kids is like, guys, we get to wrestle. And some of you won't get to wrestle this week because you'll have to quarantine. But when you yeah. get to wrestle, you just have to be thankful and you have to make the most of it. Right. right. Yeah. Um which this there's a hot topic going on just came out yesterday I don't know if you saw it but the beast of the east this year all wrestlers are required to wear masks
1: okay no Uh, I hadn't seen that yet I'm actually a golf coach here at Clyde too so we've been a little busy in our season but okay uh, I'll get wrestling wrestling here pretty soon October yeah so
0: so that's okay how's the golf team doing
1: Uh, 10 and 2 baby oh yeah sweet yeah 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 we got to get over over the hump against Norwalk, but fingers crossed. That's
0: that's your rival? That's uh, yeah, What yeah. place are you guys in in the conference right now? We're in
1: second place, yeah. They've beaten us twice. They got one loss. We have two. So uh, if we can hold serve and then we got to win the league tournament to win the league. But we still got a shot. So.
0: All right. Now I'll stay tuned. Um, back to face mask. No, someone said to me, you know, they're like, uh, they're like, man, this is, you know, ridiculous. And, and I, you know, to some extent, I kind of agree. Right, but it also is like, what is it going to take for us to be able to wrestle again? If this is what it takes, I get. I guess that's what we have to do. I believe Michigan wrestled the whole year last year with
1: masks. That's that was that was the rumor. Yeah, that was what I had heard. I yeah. think Wisconsin might have been another state that I. Had heard. Oh,
0: I'll have to get the. I'll have to find out about that because I have some ties there. But okay. uh, yeah, it's really interesting. I guess like you start the match, you start the the match with the mask on, and then if it comes off, it's kind of like uh, headgear. They, action continues and when action breaks masks back up and go it's right. so it's still it's still probably a real big disturbance kind of like
1: match. uh kind of like hairnet, kind of like yeah. hair nuts
0: yeah but I would imagine uh cross faces take masks off pretty quickly <laughs>
1: yeah uh, and you know even just thinking back to wrestling like I can't imagine I can't if you're already constricted enough I feel bad for the kids that wear mouthpieces now you got a mouthpiece and braces and the mask like Holy crap, dude! But it's yeah. not an idea. I, I mean, like No, it is not. Go on. You're, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, I mean, but but I mean, if that's what it takes, if you know, some sacrifice, right? We're wrestlers. We're familiar with sacrifice. Yeah. we can we can do it. I don't want to wear a
1: mask at school either. But if that's what it takes for us to be here, then I'll put I'll put this stinking thing on and live on because I yeah. I, I just I I yeah uh, yep, I, yep.
0: I got you I got you That was a hot topic. I knew it was gonna be a <laughs> heated one. Um. So OAC, uh, are are you doing? Uh, do you know which events you're doing? Which ones? Uh
1: yeah, I, I worked out some dates with Jared a little bit. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to open. You up mean Youngstown? Calendar. Do
0: you think? Um,
1: again, I worked around oh, the. Right. I didn't schedule tournaments that I'm roughing on those weekends, so. Gotcha. Uh, cool. But yeah, I, I just worked around those dates, so. Awesome. Um, I think until the end of the season, we we hope we got we had a cruise scheduled for all this COVID stuff. So I actually yeah. was supposed to. Do individual state tournament two years ago really yeah and I had turned I turned it down because we were going on a cruise so um that would have been my considered my off year then so then the next year I would have been eligible for it again which would have been last year but last year they had all of the uh they pretty much had the guys who didn't get to do it the year before when it was canceled go down last year so um but anyway so we're going on a cruise at the end of the year so I don't know if I'm going to be able to make the, the end state stuff but I think I'll be at pretty much everything throughout the season so
0: next year would be your year that you're eligible again,
1: for. Um, well, I believe it should be this year. Hopefully, this year. Okay. Uh, okay. that I'm eligible. And well, that hey. I took off. You're two on, one off. So the year yeah. that I took off would have been considered two years ago. Well, so maybe it's this year. You're
0: yeah, fingers yeah, crossed. And you wouldn't want it last year anyhow in, in, a, in a high school gym. You want your experience to be at the first show. time would
1: be a lot more fun to go down to the yeah. go down to the big show. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure.
0: I mean, it was cool. It was different. I got to be at the mm-hmm. D3 one, but it it wasn't. Why they did it. Like you wasn't said, it? if that,
1: we have, if that's what we have to do to do this, then that's what we'll do. That's absolutely correct.
0: Awesome, man. Um well, I appreciate you taking time to do this show. Uh, I know I've rescheduled on you a couple of times because of technical difficulties. I so appreciate appreciate you being flexible there. Um, looking forward to seeing you this season and hopefully uh, we can talk again and I can have you on with some other ideas when we get closer to the season. Maybe there's some things we can do. Um, I would love yeah, to. Sure. Hey,
1: you can... can I tell one more quick story real fast? Oh yeah. Yeah. This is your time, man. Hey, I got, uh, I got this picture here. This is one of my favorite pictures and some people will recognize it. Some people won't, but, uh, hold it up there a little bit. Yeah. That was one of the best experiences that I've had. And that's Jacob Bubba Andrews. Uh, he was one of the kids that died in the Clyde cancer cluster. And that was Chris Moore who won state title for us here at Clyde when I was coaching here. And I just wanted to give a shout out to the OHSAA And I know Lyle Smith had a lot to do with that, not around to hear the thank yous today, Mr. Vreeland, but the officials and the people down there in Columbus at the Schottenstein Center, the OHSA hooked us up with getting us to be able to, three hours before that, Bob was in a hospital down at Ohio State University and they weren't letting him go. And he said, I'm going to the tournament. And in that three hours, those people work magic, man, to get him down on the, to get him down on the, on the floor and then to get us up to take that picture and stuff. They don't do that. And so, uh, I just wanted to make sure that I, I said, thank you. Uh, I didn't really had an opportunity to do that. I know it was a long time ago now, but that was, that was an unbelievably cool experience and, uh, one that I'll definitely never forget.
0: Man, I'm glad you got that in there. I got goosebumps because, uh, that, that his, mem- Bubba's Memorial term is something we get to do every year. And, uh, it's, it's a, That's a cool tournament. Uh, It's a, it's you know, honor to honor him Uh, and and
1: they. We still do all kinds of stuff for him, man. Uh, We just had a Bubba's Bash scramble last weekend. We get old Carver guys. We've had Keith Witt and those guys get a team every year and come out. Uh, We got to see a Danny Michaels versus CJ Magra match on 18 T Box last year. That was fun. (laughs) That's (laughs) awesome. Uh, Yeah, dude, it was so cool. So yeah, just the support even from those guys that competed against him and stuff like that, and the respect that they had for him, and just. What they did down at the OHSAA, that that stuff, I'm sure they do it for other people. I'm sure that it's happened before, but uh, for them to go above and beyond for us to have that experience, man, and then, you know, lose Bubba not too long after that, it was just, it was, it was just, it was meant to be, I know how much it meant to his family and everybody in the community. So I just want to make sure I said, thank you.
0: That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, We'll get, we're going to definitely cut that out and get that story out there so people can hear it. Hey, appreciate it. I know you've got some psych and social to teach uh always good catching up with you man thanks for your time and uh stick around for a couple minutes after uh, i i stop the recording all right
1: sure absolutely man thanks for having me i look forward to being on again hopefully have a good day